Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, guess what, White Sox fans? It is Southside Sox. Post-game podcast number eight. We're not going to have another one until March 31st, 2022. So make this one last. You might be pausing already. Every minute, just pause, go do something else, come back for another delicious minute of post-game podcast. You know, friends, it's it's not really about the 38-1 to loss in an ALDS elimination game four. It really is about the friends we made along the way. And I have four of my friends here talking to me, and who knows who will drop in. There could be drive-bys. But let's go around before we get into this White Sox game and introduce some of those friends. Of course, I believe he has actually retrieved. I tell you, he's not, he's not, I got to be honest, he's not reliable. I think he has retrieved his microphone, half of the Indianapolis field office at Super Joseph Rhesus. Big thumbs up. He is ready to speak. Uh, the other half. I believe, I don't think there are any other Indianapolis members yet. Uh, you haven't let me know if any membership fees have come in. That's for sure. It is Crystal O'Keefe <sighs> on coverage. Two of these people on coverage, and we're gonna, they're going to get a talking to later in this podcast. It's Zach Hayes. I believe somehow, by a miracle, has transformed himself uh, and immediately teleported back home from the ball game. He has a one-on-one career postseason record now, sadly. Darren Black, the man I will be talking to all winter, at least for the remainder of this month, because I don't know, he likes the minors and we talk about the minors. Well, he's crashed the professional, the major league ranks to discuss the Chicago White Sox. Darren Black is back. Welcome all to postgame podcast number eight. Hey, we lost. Yay. (laughs) 
off season time. <laughs> <laughs> it's where it's where we really make our money. Uh, all right. Well, um, I thought it was funny before I came on here. Um, somebody shared, I believe, a message sent from a friend, Jose Altuve, talking more nicely about the White Sox and AJ Persinski uh, this entire series, but a game uh, painful on on really all levels, having to witness the broadcast, having to witness the game. I think one of us in person, uh, but did come away uh, perhaps with a non-branded blackout towel. So (laughs) small victories. Uh, Thoughts on the game. Any of you, please get me to stop talking. One thing that may be a small positive or a small amount of consolation from the game is that throughout much of the second half of the season, it was, pretty clear that the White Sox were going to uh, win the AL Central, but they were in the con- uh, in contention for home field advantage this round, you know, for the two seed. And I was a little bit disappointed when they didn't get it. And I don't think that them losing out on that home field advantage, this series really made a difference in this one. Well, yeah, I would have really liked to have seen them take the, over the number two seed I think at the end of the day, it didn't matter. This was a decisive enough loss to where I won't let that one hang over my head all off season. Anybody want to bite on Joe's bait there and, and find something else positive from this uh, ALDS game for? Yeah, I also agree with Joe. Um, because they weren't good enough down the stretch in the regular season proved that they still were not good enough in the playoffs. Um, but Gavin Sheets, my guy. Still it's your good. guy. It's true. <laughs> um, but I mean, other than that, uh, I guess one Rick Hahn trade worked out. Ryan Tapera looked good. That's, that's my positive. And he's we'll feisty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very feisty. Didn't work. But yeah, credit to Gavin Sheets. Got to be close to the MVP of this game. Not only uh, Robert, uh, responsible for the one run in the game for the White Sox, but also takes out a key member of the other team. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, well done there, Gavin. Never want to root for an injury, but an interesting coincidence there that uh, looked like might be able to stay in the game it had to leave, escorted by Dusty. Uh, Zach, Crystal, what's happening? It wasn't a shutout. <laughs> that. You're right. It wasn't. In fact, I believe the White Sox held the lead in this game. That's, that's my positive. All right. Um, Props to my baby boy, Gavin Sheets. I'm a proud mom. Uh-oh. Moving in on your territory, Darren. Watch out. I am I am the mother of all of okay. these young rookies. I see. Darren can talk about them at length. Mm. I am their mother. Okay. Uncle Darren and Mama Crystal. Okay. Uh, Zach, you were there. Uh, how about this? Um, unless you weren't. Um, uh, contrast the experience from game three to game four. Obviously, uh, a lot more quiet, but there was a reason for that. But start a game, was there a difference between the night, the day, um, atmosphere? You know, there were moments early in the game, the first two or three innings, especially when it got to two strikes um, with Carlos and before things really got out of hand where it was pretty loud. I think that it would have stayed it would have stayed a lot more lively than it was had the game not gotten away from them fairly early. I was a little bit surprised actually because I thought it would be uh dialed down a little bit more than it was, but even though it was the daytime there were, you know, the people the people were up and the people were loud and I think there was a a lot of stamina was lost somewhere around like the third inning or third or fourth inning when uh, three or four hitters in a row, they got to two strikes and just couldn't put hitters away for what I saw. 
Um, I was in the 500 level, so I couldn't see what was going on too closely, but I understand that, you know, he wrote out, didn't really have a slider. Um, and at a certain point they stopped missing fastballs and people got tired after that. So, yeah. <clears throat> and I, sorry, well, shut up for a second. Um, well, I think, uh, not, again, not to necessarily get into too much grievances and too much off-season need, but I suppose it's ironic that the thing that carried the White Sox, I don't know, to August, in theory, to the playoffs, last year we had one good start in the playoffs, a very different team, very different circumstance, and this year we had zero good starts in the playoffs. I mean, the, the rotation took a step forward, undoubtedly, uh, but as it broke down, as it ran into a team, maybe a little bit better prepared to knock around the White Sox, really nobody stepped up. I mean, Carlos Rodon, my jaw dropped. He, those whatever, two weeks uh, did him very well. And I'm not sure it turns out that the extra day because of the rain out really made a difference because he was nailing it at 99. But, you know, even a Carlos, who I guess maybe did, I don't know if he put together the best start. He certainly had a really nice beginning to his start. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody really could sustain. And this was the bread and butter of this White Sox team. Uh, so it's a shame that really, even for one game, the rotation couldn't really put out the effort that we were used to seeing and sort of got a little bit uh, spoiled on for a good portion of the season. Right. They had, they went over four in quality starts this series and none of them were even really close to being considered quality starts so, I mean, yeah, it's easy to nitpick with managerial decisions and pitching changes. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to talk about there for this series. But at the end of the day, if you have the pitching performances like that, you know, four kind of clunkers in a row, um, you're just not going to go very far. And um yeah, thankful that they at least got the one win in this series, given that that's how their starting pitchers performed in this one. I'm pleased, Joe, that um, Liam Hendricks got his third inning of work um, in in this game. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm pleased with that. Um, that's important. That's important heading to the offseason that he got that um, third inning of of garbage time. But really, we're getting into managerial decisions, and I probably shouldn't lead that discussion. Um uh, other observations from this game. Uh, I know Crystal's been a little bit mum, but uh, you know, other things that came up. I noted that they only needed, I think they only really needed 11 singles in that ninth inning to tie this thing up. And, and I think they fell short by 10, but they, they got the one. I don't know. I don't have anything of quality to add. I'm just, oh, I feel bad for anyone that's going to read the stats I put out this evening because it's just me um, just shitting on everything. <laughs> you have a right to be angry. You have a right to lash out. It's frustrating. It, it's over. Even if we thought it might not last more than five games of a, of a first round, uh, you know, just, dare uh, to dream. I just don't know what was going on in Tony's head throughout uh, even the last few weeks, like the bullpen management has just been, lackluster nobody wanted to like wake up and perform today when your best player is your rookie Gavin Sheets who has been up and down from Charlotte all year then I don't know what anyone should have expected from this like I said I picked two MVPs to put into my stats poll 
and it was Ryan and Gavin. There was like our trade and our rookie were the only good players on this team today. This is just humiliating. I think some of our off-season digging, our off-season investigative reporting that we're going to do is going to unearth the fact that Aaron Bummer, Liam Hendricks, uh, really any reliever worth salt must have something written in their contracts. They can't even warm up before the sixth inning. I think we're going to find that out. It's just like Tony's hands were tied. He's like, I can't do it. I want to bring this guy in. The, I want to bring him in the high leverage. I can't do it. Aaron Bummer, I don't even think materializes in the bullpen until maybe about the somewhere in the fifth. I think that's sort of how that works. Uh, so yeah, there definitely were some, well, frustrating moves throughout, I guess here's an, here's a round Robin topic. What aspect of the white Sox really did fail the most as we welcome Jackie Crestel in? she actually did find the on button on the <laughs> laptop and she is raring to go. She's got her old school, old style blackout towel somewhere in the house. So she's legit. She gets to join this discussion. So the topic now is what aspect of the White Sox? Clearly it was a pretty full roster failure going up to management, but what part stood out to you as being what really kept this team from really even making the losses close? I mean, this was not a close series. The the one win was a blowout. The three losses weren't really close. So are you asking uh, what kept us in it all year or what I want to know in this series what you think most failed the White Sox because there's a lot of blame to go around and a lot of people deciding to argue about it when I think there are, this is a multiple choice and you can check more than one. But what stood out to you maybe as the as the thing that was most frustrating? Little mistakes. Little mistakes that added up to a lot of losses that we didn't want. Uh, yeah. Little things. Um, so I, I guess I would say execution. If I wanted to uh, pin it on – you know, offense or defense, I would say in this series, I would go with the offense. I would say letting Astros walk Hmm. constantly. But they dug and scratched for every one of those walks. I mean, they're, they're, they're veterans. And of course they are. This isn't little league. Like I have seen fewer walks watching my 11 year old son (laughs) play than I did this series. Rick Hahn, minimum contract. Rick Hahn. It was, yeah, it, definitely starting pitching. I mean, I don't think anyone got through the fourth inning, maybe out of the third. I mean, that's really terrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were good all season up until, well, I shouldn't say they were all good all season, um, but the ones that actually pitched this year, uh, and in, in the series, they all failed spectacularly. Like even the ones that we thought were going to be great, we can right. second guess, uh, you know, if Lance Lynn should have started at home. But, I mean, what really makes you think that would have made a difference? Because they were all terrible. Yeah. Um, they all relied too much on the fastball, and they couldn't get their braking or uh, off-speed pitches in there. So, can't do that with good teams, trash cans or no trash cans. They are still really good. Um, thank you, Ryan Tapera, for an, an, an inning of bludgering there. But on, on the topic of the starting pitching, Darren, uh, let, let's let's abandon this round round for a second because I'd like to know what everybody thinks about. Uh, we have varying levels of experience, obviously, in the staff. Lance Lynn was supposed to be the horse who had even World Series experience, and then we've got guys who who have, who have never pitched in the postseason. Um, did Carlos, Carlos Rodon get dragged into that debacle game three last year? I don't, I don't even remember. Um, but you know, obviously varying levels of experience. Um, 
the fact that uh, over-reliance on fastballs, which seems to be a little bit of a, that's a, that can be maybe perceived as a struggle move. The fact that there wasn't any kind of sustained strength, a, a, a ton of credit to the offense for Houston, of course, but does that speak to maybe not, not necessarily being ready for this series? Does it speak to fatigue from a long season? Because none of these guys, even a bad start, none of these guys could get it to, I understand the, the postseason is different. You're going to, you're going to be quicker with the hooks, but to not even get through five, certainly not even get through six, not a single guy when this staff was it uh, stands out. I uh, think it is more like a, maybe I don't, again, not calling out the way it's like a lack of readiness um, or, or confidence uh, fatigue, something else I'm missing. I think, think they're yeah. sorry. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I think it just comes down to they played trash teams. They played in a trash division. They finally get to the big stage where they're playing a halfway decent team, and they just they weren't ready for it. Yeah, I think there's two different kinds of being unprepared that we're dealing with, and one is the things like shifting mm-hmm. and. Uh, bullpen strategy and execution and all that stuff. And the other is things like fatigue. Like I I think it's worth it also to take a step back for a second and remember that this is still a really weird year because last year was an incredibly strange year. Uh, You know, there's things are probably a little bit different if Kimbrell and Rodon aren't completely gassed for September because they've thrown, you know, three times as many innings as they have the last two years combined Uh, that MLB playoffs are always, unpredictable there's a lot of randomness and i think this year uh, more so than ever so you can you can lay some of that blame with like individuals and with the organization for just clearly being outclassed in terms of preparedness in terms of on-field strategy but even beyond that scouting and all these things that we're talking about um and some of those things you just kind of have to throw your hands up and uh be like whatever you know but everything that could go wrong went wrong more or less and kind of kind of is what it is zach you're up close and personal for these last uh two games the one win and of course the elimination loss uh what stood out to you maybe is the one aspect of it we've got a couple different answers here what stood out to you as being the one thing that uh most maybe disappointed you or you think was the, the biggest factor in the in the series loss um i would have to disagree with joe a little bit earlier about home field not mattering so much um i think that Honestly, I think the box scores are a little bit misleading almost because a lot of those runs that the Astros piled on were more or less after the games were over. Like when it was five to one going into the eighth inning, I don't think anyone in the park thought they were going to come back and win that game. Uh, The same thing after uh, Kimbrell gives up the first home run in game two. Um, So I think there's a lot of little moments uh, that happen when it's a three, two count, when you have two strikes or when there's runners in scoring position and uh, being at home, I think matters in those moments. Uh, And those are moments where the Sox could not execute and where the Astros consistently executed. And we saw a glimpse of it on Sunday. Uh, The Mm -hmm. energy was a little bit different today, but I think if you have games one and two at home with your best pitchers on the mound, I think some of those little moments that end up snowballing go maybe a little bit differently. Super Joseph, what stood out to you in this series loss as being the one component that most disappointed you? I would have to go with the starting pitching. There's plenty of blame to go around here, but I can't get over the fact that none of them lasted even four innings on the mound. It's just always an uphill battle after that point if you can't 
uh, even rely on your starting pitchers to do the bare minimum. Anything after that just makes it extremely difficult to come back and win. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll address we'll address the elephant in the room. I'm not sure anybody realizes it is the elephant in the room, but I'll identify it quickly. And maybe we'll even try to turn this around and, and I don't know, cough out a few rainbows before we wrap this one up until next year for post-game podcast. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Oh, you're going to want to stick around. Pause now because you got to make this one last. We'll be back in a minute to, oh, I don't know. We're going to try to, we're going to try to head back toward the sun. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, White Sox fans. My name is Brett Ballantini. I don't ever identify myself as if somehow you should just know who I am. My name is Brett Ballantini. I do all these podcasts. I don't know how that happened, but I'm doing them. Welcome to postgame podcast number eight. Unfortunately, this one falls on... A loss, ALDS game four, a loss by a number of runs I don't even want to acknowledge. I'm not going to bother to look it up. It was a lot. I think you know. I have five fabulous guests from Southside Sox with me, all hopping on to our side at various times. Old schoolers like Darren Black, who just, hey, Darren, turn the light down over there. He's just, he's always hanging around. We just, let's come clean. We're roommates. Darren, turn the computer down. I need the headphones on. Uh, Super Joseph Reese, of course, been around a long time. And, you know, leading up to very recent edition, it's Good Vibes Jackie Crystal. So, listen, got a great crew. And really, this is all about the friends we've made along the way. It doesn't have to do with wins losses, right? But let's get right back to gnashing teeth about a loss. And let's just, because we even praised him, I believe, last post-game podcast. Uh, Tony LaRusso, obviously a, well, he's the figurehead of this team. Uh, assessments on Tony. I was the one person in our preseason predictions who actually said, and trust me, I know, absolutely wishful thinking, but of the 15 who laid down predictions before the season, I'm the one who said he would not be back in 2022. Seemed like taking the under over or whatever on that was easy money, but I guess we're going to see. And I'm not exactly asking you to predict if he's going to like ride off into the sunset, but assessments for him in this series, him this season. Uh, you can cuss. You don't have to. Uh, all right. I'll throw it out to you. Can my assessment just be fart noise? <laughs> yes, it can. That's okay, fair. great. Thank you. <laughs> fart noise. I'll, yeah, I'll dub that in, in post-production. <laughs> all right. Astute answer. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pretend that he cost the White Sox the series. That would be very much oversimplifying to do that. But I am a little bit disappointed. Uh, I was 
expecting him to give the White Sox a little bit of an advantage in this series. Um, and I at least had bought in at the beginning of the season to the idea that he would provide the White Sox a little bit of an edge come postseason time due to his experience and in-game decision-making. I thought that, you know, I kind of viewed that as a silver lining of, you know, obviously I would not have hired him at the beginning of the season, no way, but I kind of viewed that as a silver lining for the decision to hire him. And I just didn't really see it overall this series. Uh, it, the bullpen management was questionable. Uh, wasn't a fan of the way he used Garrett Crochet on sh- uh, short rest in uh, game two and wasn't a fan of the situation he put him in in game four either. Over- overall, it was just questionable the way that he used the bullpen and uh, it wasn't an all out disaster having his as manager this year, but overall I'm sticking with my opinion that I had at the beginning of the year, which is that he did not deserve to have this job. Joe, you might've been taking one of those patented strolls where you win socks math and your window shopping or whatever. You might've missed this. I think you missed the fact that Tony came out in the uh, eighth inning and argued for a solid five minutes about Jose Abreu getting a hit, again, getting hit by pitch. So I'll give you a chance to change your answer. Uh, okay. Uh, any of the rest of three of you who uh, you can use sound effects. It is legal. It, it's clearly uh, been established by O'Keefe. It is legal, but uh, LaRusso assessments, please. I mean, I, I have a very neutral opinion right now of Tony LaRusso because I don't think, you know, that he lost us too many games. But I also think that he didn't win us very many games. Um, so um, I think I probably could have put like an eggplant in his seat and it would have done just as good, you know, or like some other kind of fruit or vegetable and it would have done just as good. Um, if the White Sox are looking to unload the Rusa, I am available if uh, they want to put me down there because I would also have a neutral effect. Um, anyway. He didn't, he didn't lose us many, but he didn't win us many either. He didn't do us any favors. Southside Sox t-shirt production now has kicked into high gear with all those visuals, all the possible potted plants, fruits, and vegetables that could sit in the dugout with a ball cap on. Oh, I like it. It's going to be good. Okay, Zach, Darren, please. Yeah, I mean, my my main thing is, that it seems like Ricky Renteria was fired for less than what he, than what Tony La Russa did this series. Pretty much seems like whenever, I mean, I have text to prove it with Mike Gassick, um, that uh, me saying, oh, hey, Gilito should not be in this game right now because he can't find the plate. Or like so many other examples, other people have said, this guy doesn't have it anymore. He should not be in. It always seemed like he put in a reliever too late um, I don't know. I know Ricky Renteria was very famous for that, for trying to get, you know, Reynaldo Lopez six innings so he could get a quality start or whatever, and then they end up losing. Um, and Tony Russo did that in the playoffs. So I think that's worse. So I don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I know he is, I know like Joe, he's not the main issue. The players were the main issue. They didn't come to perform. They were clearly outclassed by a better team, but it, like if your manager is not trying to help you win, that's not going to help a lesser team win overall. That's just what it came down to. Shout out to Mike Gassick, the artist formerly known as Danks for nothing. We miss you, Mike. Uh, okay, Zach Hayes, bring it home. 
Yeah, I'm well on the record uh, in general <laughs> about my part noises aside about Tony and how it's going. I'm known in the comments as like a well-known arbitrary Tony hater. Um, so I only have a couple quick thoughts and that I don't disagree that it does come down to execution from the players mostly at the end of the day. Um, and my thought there is if it comes down to the players executing them, why do we have a manager who's punting games in August and September? Hmm. What is he doing for if he's not going to get you home field advantage, if it does just come down to players executing in the end. Uh, and my other thought is we know what he brings to the table in September, actually. The kind of stuff when people said, oh, he's going to, you know, help them get there once we get to the playoffs. The stupid gamesmanship shit, like saying Kopech is not available and then having him go, like, boo fucking who? What what difference does that make? That's what people are talking about. That's what he brings to the table. That's what it is. We've seen it. <laughs> what else is there to say? Again, the t-shirt production is just, it's off the charts. Well, let me answer my own question. I rarely do, even though I'm always talking. Uh, you know what I'm tired of about Tony and from the start it was, it's having to defend, this is Cub fan crap, where you got to like, oh, you know, well, I'm a fan, but I hate the ownership and it's evil and it makes me want to kill myself. I don't like the fact that in an open forum talking with 20, with representatives, say from 29 other teams, I have to, I'm the butt of jokes because of my damn manager. Uh, and again, if he, if he was kicking ass, then I'd be like, yeah, you know, bite me. But that's not the case. I still have to be like, yeah, he's a stumble bum. But Luis Robert, uh, it's a drag. And that's not has nothing to do, obviously, with anything between the lines. But just from a, like a psychic level, it's it's just, it's a like a daily beatdown. And I'd rather not have it. Because Ricky's like, you know, a year ago, I was like, well, okay, you know, and, and, and Darren's talking about his text and, you know, obviously not a perfect manager and, you know, maybe a little bit too much of a papa figure or whatever, but it's like, okay, I didn't, you know, okay. So an incompetent manager, there's a lot of those. Okay. Or a guy who's just like average or something. Okay. But when there's all that other stuff, that's just dragging behind you. It's like, oh God, when did I become a fan of this team? Why, why did this happen? At any rate, uh, post-production, inserting completely happy upbeat music because guess what now is we wind up this postseason podcast number eight and we wind up a season of postgame podcasts. wow a whole eight of them uh let's just talk i'd like to go around and just hear from everybody maybe what a, a top moment of the season was what made you happiest from this season the rebirth and of carlos rodon mm-hmm. the resurrection of carlos rodon that was Really nice to see. I mean, you know, he's been around a long time. We all like him, you know, little thing that he's got going on. But um, yeah, the resurrection of Carlos Rodon was fun to watch. So the music I'm popping in there would be Hello Goodbye, because we may have seen the last pitch from Carlos Rodon, but that's for off-season podcasts. But Carlos, you know, you went out with a bit of a roar, I guess sort of a little whimper in this game, but hey, man, he came out in a way that I did not think anybody was expecting. So props for that. Go get your money. Go get your money. Yeah, go get your money. Oh, God. Uh, Okay, uh, uh, other four of you, what, what do we got? One that will definitely remain in my mind for a long time that I think is a pretty unique one is seeing the Sebi Zavala game live. (laughs) I was with there with my girlfriend. It was her first White Sox game she's ever been to. And that happened. It was certainly my favorite loss of the season and my favorite loss of any game I've ever attended. I couldn't believe what I was watching and 
I he he was he literally shut me up like mid sentence with the, his first home run. I, I was I was literally saying about how he's only in the majors because their starting catcher is injured and the other guy is really bad at playing catcher. So that's the only reason why he's here. He's a really bad hitter. And just like a couple seconds later, he hit that first home run, and then he went on to hit two more, one of which was a grand slam. I will not forget that ever probably. The bad news, Joe, to uh, purchase that personalized Sebi Zavala, that rare item for the girlfriend is probably going to cost like $650. But hey, it's worth it for the team. It's worth it for the memory. Okay. Other highlights from the season, folks. I would say the walk-off in the Field of Dreams game. As corny as I thought that entire (laughs) game was, that was something just straight out of a movie. It was exciting. I was up screaming. I probably woke both of my children up, but that was just, it felt so unreal. And like, I still think about it to this day. I still get chills thinking about just how cool that moment was and how lucky we are that we have Tim Anderson on our team and how much of just an absolute badass he is. Mm -hmm. That was just Right. And if it was tied or the Sox were just maybe behind for a lot of that game and it sort of like wheezed to that moment, it still would have been awesome. But the fact that it just turned around, Yankees move ahead and you're like, oh God, here we go. We can't even win this weird like marquee game that's supposed to be about the White Sox or whatever. The fact that he just punched them right back in the mouth immediately was was pretty awesome. Okay, Zach, Darren, what is what is it? Yes, I think all of these different moments speak to what I was thinking, which is just like going to the park and turning on the game, knowing that there's probably a better chance than not that they were going to win. Like, when was the last time that happened for a full summer? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, and that was a very new and just kind of overarchingly pleasant feeling that accompanied baseball this year uh, in the shadow of everything that the last like 18 months have been for all of us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing I will take away from this at least and zach i know it turned into a like a negative thing and it is and there certainly are negative aspects i think you even spoke to it but the fact they ran away from the division they buried four other teams in the division okay yeah they suck but the white Sox did have something to do with that the idea that this was a runaway hey that's an achievement maybe it didn't end up serving them but the fact that we're talking about a double digit division win and maybe going to the season maybe having those same aspirations that's not a bad position to be in. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing. It wasn't like 20 games from 1983, but uh, still not bad to just say, all right, this is over. Now I hope if they do that again in a year, they handle it differently, but wow, that's the whole season of off season podcasts to discuss. Darren, what'd you got for me? Um, I'm going to stick with Gavin Sheets and his walk off Homer against the twins was pretty awesome. It, uh, uh, it was um against Jose Barrios he's trying to do a whole thing go complete game and then Gavin Sheets came up rookie no the White Sox win that was a pretty awesome moment and just kind of when I like realized that he finally realized that he was finally there he was going to be competitive whenever he got in there any at bat um, just like he was ever since he got drafted I was never worried the power would always show up I was never worried um, yeah, I was pretty worried at one point, but still, <laughs> it was great that he finally came up and really proved it in his first year. Um, and that was kind of the culmination of, uh, of everything that had come for him. Spoken like a true uncle Darren would do it. Um, yeah. And you know, that speaks to another thing and we do a lot and obviously it's been a big deal. The minor league and the system has been a big deal because that's all there has been to 
really focus on here for a, a number of years, certainly when I took over at Southside Sox, you do become a tag, you know, you find your guys and you think you've, you think you see something and, you know, you do sort of get, you know, I mean, even on site, I think people even like call dibs on guys like, oh yeah, you know, hey, Gavin Sheets is my guy. So, you know, I don't know, you might have, you and Crystal might have a fight with some folks on site who have called dibs on Gavin Sheets, but you know, there's more guys still coming. And that's part of what you do for us, Darren, is sort of cover those guys and, and sort of try to flag some that we should pay special attention to. Uh, okay. This is the time in this postseason podcast where I just simply preview uh, after maybe getting some sleep. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff coming up in the off season. We'll be doing game threads for playoff games. So you can continue to come to site and discuss games. Obviously any breaking news, good or bad, somebody blows a high number on a DUI, we're going to be there for you. And, uh, you know, we can play a multiple choice game of who that might be. Uh, weekly podcast we will have for Southside Sox. Uh, me and Darren are going to be doing some minor league ones, wrapping up uh, each affiliate season. So we'll be doing that, cram that into the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, deep dive series from White Sox Man. He's going to be doing that again for us, which is a preposterously in-depth look at basically 200 plus guys. You may say, I don't care. That's fine. You don't have to care. You don't have to read. You know, the, the, the registration fee and your membership fee is the same, whether you read the deep dive articles or not, it's a good price. I think it's a, it's a friendly price. Uh, but yeah, basically every player in the system is going to get some profile and you know, some of these guys, this might be the only profile they get. So I think it's a sort of a cool thing and I'm glad he does it for us. Uh, we'll be having our veterans hall of fame ballot, baseball hall of fame ballot, South side Sox, white Sox hall of fame ballots. That's three. Hall of Fame ballots. <laughs> Membership comes with responsibility. You guys got to vote. Uh, Prospect Countdown, we're going to be doing that. Of course, that's where readers vote in, uh, just like you do for Cold Cats and MVPs. Crystal, fill out that ballot. Uh, new staff, you know we're going to have new staff. We always have new staff. It's about the friends we made along the way. There's going to be new people, new faces, maybe even like in mere days. And whatever other antics we can come up with. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff. Tommy Barbie's talking about some kind of festivist grievances. Oh, yeah, man, that's coming. That's coming. And it's going to be fun. We're all going to have something to say. We already have had something to say. So we'll put it down in words. Uh, I guess that wraps it up. This is uh, post-game podcast number eight. The White Sox have bowed meekly out of the 2021 season. Not anything we hoped for. But thank you, Zach, for representing in person. Thank you, Indianapolis Field Office, for carrying the two best coverage records all season. Well done. Good vibes, Jackie Crestel, for the good vibes and carrying through, coming in late and kicking ass right from the start with your recapping and other work. Darren Black, Rumi, uh, for all the miners' work. Uh, there's going to be more coming. You're going back to work soon. You've had your, your breaks over. All right, Arizona that's it. Folly. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all stuff Southside Sacks. We got more stuff coming from you. Whether or not you like it, it's coming.